I'm Ellie Harrison, I'm one of the 20 visual artists who've been commissioned by the Women's Library to work on the 20th anniversary project. Um, I'm not going to explain just yet what knife I'm wearing or why, and hopefully this will become clear over the course of the next 15 minutes as I try to explain to you how I've gone about approaching working with this fantastic resource that we have here. Um, and thinking about some of the other things that are, have been preoccupying me over the last six weeks and to let you a little insight and for Helen and Laurie you don't even know yet what on earth my project is going to be but I think I worked it out yesterday so I'll explain it towards the end. So it's a great honour to be invited to be one of the 20 artists to take part in this project alongside some of these fantastic women who are sat in the front here. Um, naturally, I jumped at the opportunity when Helen first invited me, despite having a few reservations about how I could actually respond to the brief, um, which, as Sue mentioned, is loosely based around pro producing an edition which will then be sold to raise money for the library. Um, and as, as an artist, um, this kind of concerned me because I'm sort of a conceptual artist and I don't generally make objects or additions. Um, and I quite like to think of myself as a bit of a moving target, especially <laughs> when I'm on my skates. Um, somebody who tries to resist repeating myself or um, commodifying things that I've done in the past. So I was worried that possibly choosing me might not be the best investment the women's <laughs> library could have made but I was hoping that by spending time in here and really thinking hard I'd be able to come up with a solution where I could use the skills that I do have as an artist to benefit the library in other ways um, and create something that would hopefully have lasting impact um, for everybody involved so and maybe even kickstart a new women's movement <laughs> Just setting my sights quite, quite low. Um, so, before the start of this year, I'm very embarrassed to admit that I never actually set foot or skate inside the Women's Library. Um, and I'm even more ashamed to admit that my knowledge of women's history was pretty patchy um, and very, very, very limited. Um, I knew about the library, I'd heard about it mentioned ever since I'd moved to Glasgow in 2008. But for some reason, and this is crazy thinking about it, I didn't think it was for me, which is completely bonkers. And that's something, that reaction that I had in the back of my head is something that I've continually been playing with me. But anyway, I realised I had a lot, to, a lot to catch up on and not very much time to do it. So as of, well, for the last six weeks, I decided to come and spend one day a week in the library um, and to just to work in here so it would be a change of street scene from my studio, but to kind of absorb the atmosphere and witness some of the strange and varied activities that seem to happen in here, and then to allow myself to be distracted by some of the materials. And it has been a massive eye-opener. So spending time in the library, I have found myself learning more and more about women's history. And this new knowledge that I've acquired um, has been one of the most formative experiences of 2012 for me. Alongside two other things that I've been doing in my spare time, I decided in 2012 that I wanted to have 
uh, a more social year to get involved, take on some hobbies, you could say. Um, <laughs> to get involved in different social scenes in Glasgow. So I wasn't just uh, stuck hanging around with artists the whole time. <laughs> so, the first of these was to join, uh, read, I don't like to set myself uh, too easy tasks, was to join a reading group um, to, to gradually make our way through Karl Marx's capital. Uh, I am actually on chapter 17, so I'm doing quite well, but that meets every second Wednesday. Um, and then every Tuesday evening, since the beginning of the year, I've begun to train for the very new, very exciting, all-female, full-contact sport that is roller derby. Um, and for that, that, that is this outfit that I'm wearing at the moment, in case you're wondering. This is what I wear every Tuesday evening between 7 and 10. Um, and yeah, for those of you who don't know anything about Ronald Darby, I don't know whether you'll be any of the wiser at the end of this talk, but <laughs> it's an aggressive, dynamic, exciting sport, which has only really been going in the UK for about eight years since it came out from America. But what makes it different is that it's organised by women and it's played only by women. In fact, it's the only sport that I know of that's actually cool that only women can play. So as a result of this, it's becoming hugely, hugely, hugely popular. And roller derby leagues are popping up in cities all over the country. So anyway, my two new activities, I hope, would be an overall workout for mind and body. And, um, but I quickly realised, I quickly realised that they were more than just hobbies. And both of them, in their very special ways, were influencing my ideas and becoming central to how I saw and understood the world around me. So, go back to this little hobby. Um, <laughs> I'm now coming to appreciate why this is such a significant book, which kind of, well, um, determined the history of the 20th century to such an extent. And I thoroughly recommend it if, if you haven't given it a go. Um, it's so important because all of the chaos that we can see unfolding all around us now in the global economy and in the labour market, it's all in here. 150 years ago or more, this was, it was all predicted bit by bit. History is repeating itself again and again. We all know that, but yet we seem powerless to stop it. We know that we need to resist it, but somehow we no longer know how to coordinate our efforts in a coherent way. So reading this book is also a stark reminder of the importance of looking to the past for hope, inspiration and guidance about what we should do now. And this is something that I've also been doing a huge amount since I've been working in the library, specifically researching um, the more recent past and um, the decade, which I'm now incredibly annoyed that I missed out on, the 1970s, which Margaret was talking about. Because this was, as I've learnt, um, primarily in this book, actually. This is about the only book I've read in this library, but I can also <laughs> recommend this. It's all you need to know. Um, as I've read, 
1970s was a time of mass resistance and huge political energy across the board. It became an alternative think tank of ideas, creating knowledge, writing, criticism about the problems in society, but also suggesting solutions about how to deal with them. And of course, a lot of this material is archived in this library. The emotion of the decade is archived in a lot of these texts. But I find myself more interested in the political systems, but the organisational structures of the movement. So I'm trying to understand how people coordinated themselves to come together, to unite their fights, and I want to learn more about the strengths um, which enabled those all-important demands which Margaret outlined to um, be fulfilled. But as well as looking at the positive aspects of the movement, um, I'm also interested in looking at some of the negative things which Margaret highlighted. So, as I said, most of everything I know about women's liberation has come from this book. But there is actually, it's just come from one essay in here. <laughs> There's an essay in here um, which talks about the structure of lots of different movements by Annie Bratz. She's probably really famous. I just, just found out about her. But she initially joined um, the Gay Liberation Front in the early 70s. And she talks about the structure within that. Um, which was kind of anti-bureaucratisation because they worried that bureaucratisation would kill the spirit behind the movement um, and it became a justification for total structurelessness. The meetings turned into aimless merry-go-rounds with much cosy chat and lots of male cruising. <laughs> so, <laughs> subsequently what happened is all the women left the Gay Liberation Front and joined the women's movement. Um, and she then goes on to describe the organisational structure in the women's movement as being a desperately fluid framework all around the country, of course, um, which was held together by a women's national coordination committee, which soon became dominated by hard-working mixed Maoist groups characterised by the humorless coldness and lack of sisterhood reminiscent of the male left. Um, it does, it does, she does have some positive things to say about it. But what happened at that point, and what's something that Margaret also talked about, is the fracturing of the women's movement into the socialist feminists and the radical feminists. What was important now was whether you saw the enemy as the capitalist system or as men as a group, whether you called yourself a socialist or a radical feminist, and how you defined your sexuality in relation to your politics. So... It might well have been this sectarianism which caused the form, well, the, the, the formal end of the um, women's movement. The last conference took place in 1978, which was the year before I was born. Um, and it's this sectarian, sectarianism, perhaps, and the further atomization of society, which was promoted by Thatcherism in the 1980s, which um, spawned this whole new breed of, of woman. Um, which again, I've got a quote from here in an essay where they're talking about Margaret Thatcher before she was elected. They talk about emancipationists and liberationists are often allies. And they remain very different from Mrs Thatcher, who represents a third type, the career woman, the individualist who plays on the 
contradictions in the system to carve out a route to the top for herself. So, I've got lots more research to do, as you can probably tell. I want to find out more about the aftermath of feminism. This is a recent book by Angela McRobbie. Um, to discover more about how the excesses of our modern de liberal democracy may have been responsible for killing the movement. And I want to research the causes, to map the causes of this atomization and to map the fracturing and the sectarianism within the left movement, which perhaps has always been its downfall. But most importantly, this is what I hope to do, is to discover where the legacy of the movement may now lie, where that dormant energy um, of the 1970s is now being unleashed. Which brings me back to the brief, <laughs> the original brief, which, um, and I'm reflecting more on what I can offer the Women's Library, what my skills, apart from roller skating, <laughs> actually are. Um, so I think like a lot of artists that have been invited to take part in this project, I have the ability to reinvigorate history, to see things in a new light, within my own unique frame of reference. But, practically speaking, <laughs> um, rather than making conventional artworks, I'm quite good at administrating things and organising projects. I'm very, very good at self-promotion, <laughs> at, <laughs> at marketing and PR, but I'm good at communicating with people and spreading ideas. And I'm interested in getting better at negotiating deals in brokering relationships between different people, in cre creating partnerships and collaborations. So therefore, and I apologise that this is a surprise to you, my proposal um, for my contribution to the 20th anniversary project is more one of audience development than of fundraising. Although they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Um, having learned about the extraordinary history of the women's liberation movement in the 70s, I'm keen to ensure that these stories that are all new to me continue to be told. I know I'll never be able to truly appreciate the energy and the excitement that was that decade, like some of you can, and I'm very envi envious, but now, Somehow serendipitously, I feel that I may have stumbled across something that perhaps has equal potential out there in Glasgow, all over the country. There are fast-growing grassroots groups of passionate women who are doing it for themselves. They're putting in the hard graft and the dedication required to maintain and to expand the sport which they love to play, the sport which empowers them and allows them to be themselves. And more and more and more women are joining all the time and they make sure that part of the league is to invest time and energy in supporting facilitating new women to learn, which is what I'm doing at the moment. I'm on a 14-week training programme. And more than 50 women are joining every four months onto that training program. So now I have a dream, okay? <laughs> I have a dream. What if this energy, this community spirit, this sisterhood could be politicized? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? So, for the Glasgow Women's Library 20th Anniversary Project, I propose to become 
the community outreach person of sorts within the roller derby world. I'd like to attempt to broker a lasting partnership between the Women's Library and the Girls Go Roller Derby League. I hope that this is going to be a two-way exchange that will be mutually beneficial. The new energy and attitude of roller derby coming to the Women's Library in a very civilised way, <laughs> whilst taking the politics and the shared social history at the heart of GWL to the Roller Derby Girls. This project is going to be my own take on the maybe slightly seedy world of sports sponsorship, but in a vein <laughs> similar to the 2006 groundbreaking relationship that was struck between UNICEF and uh, Barcelona, I don't know if anybody knows about this, but rather than a corporate sponsorship, Barcelona, um, Barcelona football team promoted UNICEF, the charity, to raise awareness for HIV and AIDS. So I propose to attempt to get the Women's Library product placement all over the roller derby world. And I'm going to start small. I'm going to start small with a reworking of the GWL logo printed out onto vinyl stickers which I distribute to all of the women that I meet so that uh, it will be a sort of grungified roller derby take and so I'm going to start infiltrating and just putting the, the um, women's library logo out there um, so that pe people in the roller derby league become aware of it and persuading every woman that I meet to proudly display the symbol of our shared heritage on their heed. <laughs> <laughs> so then over the course of the year, as I progress through my stages of training, I'm hoping to get more and more involved in the Roller Derby League, gaining an insight into their organisational structure, which I think is quite impressive, to see what I can learn and to see what I can share. Um, with other people about the possibility of creating a new movement. So in 2012, the much talked about year of the Olympics, this is going to be an experiment in the political limits of sport. I'm going to test the possibility of reclaiming some of the overwhelming energy that sport manages to manifest, to strive for real world goals. <laughs>